Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Start with the past. There's nothing you can do to change it. So throw it out. Take out the trash. The trash is anything that is keeping you from the only thing that matters. See you in the Super Bowl. It's Bears Nation Podcast. I don't want them to gain another yard. by Mac. You blitz all night. Mac will take it all the way in for a touchdown. It's time for the Bears Nation Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over And Jake Hassan. What I'd really like to do is put the greatness of this man in perspective. Phenomenally good. Okay, guys, show us what you got. Bears Nation Podcast, Wednesday, August 18th. I know the date this time. And coming at you live from Chicago. Both of us in our parents' house this time, so that's pretty cool. But myself, Jake Hassan, joined by Kevin Lapka, as always. And boy, do we have stuff to talk about today. Yes. Kevin Jenkins, Justin Fields, mm. Andy Dalton, Matt Nagy, so on, so forth. Preseason game two, preseason game one. Met nine, pretty sure it's not nine. But here we are. We're back. Bears Nation podcast. And we're just going to get right into it. Um, investing in a second-round offensive lineman who you know has back problems seems like a bad idea. It doesn't seem like a uh, formula for success, if I do say so myself. <clears throat> but here's the funny thing, Jake. This is, is the only time. I don't think it's that funny. People, it's, it's, well, it's funny because this is the only time I've heard some people bring this up is now. There was never conversation about investing into the second round with back injuries. It is there was a little bit of conversation, but not as much as there is now. Now that you see he's out, it's oh, you know what the heck are we doing? Whereas the past four months after he was drafted is great pick. We got him. He's great value there in the second well, round. Why is that conversation only happening now? Because we found out that they knew about the back injury prior to drafting him. Because we I learned that this isn't a recent development. I mean, we knew no. he had the back injury. We knew he had the back injury in college. He missed the last three games of his career or we, of his, we, his college. We know he had year. a back. We know he had a back injury in college. We didn't know it was still going on. We didn't know that the Bears knew. Like the Bears knew when they evaluated him, and they chose to keep that information to themselves up until this point. We that's true. Uh, me and you, obviously, and you know, it sounds like the rest of you know the Bears media people who cover the Bears were not aware that the Bears had found in their evaluations. Okay, this thing's still bugging him. Okay, it's probably still going to bug him into the season. So now here we are. And we're just finding this out. And that's why I'm saying it seems like a bad idea. Because yeah, it seemed like it seemed awesome. It seemed like and but now we're realizing why Tevin Jenkins slid into the second round when he had all those first round grades. Now we're finding out why you were able to get him in the second rounds because of this back injury. And apparently in these evaluations, it was showing like, okay, yeah, this is gonna be an issue. And the Bears said, All right, well, we're gonna start him at left tackle week one. See you later, Charles Lino. We're gonna put all our eggs in this Tevin Jenkins basket despite his back injury. And now here we are a month away from the season. And it looks like, and you don't know how long, if at all, you're going to have him this season. If at all, it might be correct. I mean, we don't, they said it was very vague as everything is, but it was, mm -hmm. we hope to have him back at some point this season. Now, I'm not a doctor. I would imagine it's at least past halfway through the season. Um, I don't know exactly what the surgery was, but the the thing we, I texted you this the moment it happened when you said you're going to throw yourself through a wood chipper because you were so angry at that. That was hilarious. Oh, true, I wasn't even, I know, that wasn't even angry. That was yeah. that was straight up sadness. That was straight up sadness because I feel so bad because a 
I do not want Justin Fields anywhere near the turf, the grass. I do not oh, want him God. anywhere near that field. Stop it. Now, Stop. Whoever is at quarterback, regardless if it's Stop. Justin Fields or Andy Dahl, or God forbid in a doomsday scenario, Nick Foles, they're going to get oh, murdered out there. No, they're, they're not. Their, they're no, going they're to get not. their head, especially no, they're not. It's bad. Jake. That's why this is... throw me through the wood chipper because whoever – because that <laughs> – I'd rather take that fate over whatever meets the Bears starting quarterback week one. See, this is why I think you're overreacting, though. Because me yes, overreacting. Can you? Like, that doesn't sound like it. That, <laughs> yeah, that's that doesn't sound right. Um, yes, Tevin Jenkins getting hurt is a problem. But if you still evaluate the offensive line as a whole, the, I'm going to make a comparison to last year. Okay, the sky is falling down in everyone's mind when it comes to the offensive line. It's, it's terrible. It's horrible. Everybody's out. Everybody's injured. We suck. It's the worst in the league. No quarterback is going to have success. We should hold Justin Fields out because of it. Last year, we were looking at the offensive line in the final five games of the year of Charles Leno at left tackle, who would you say is an above average player? No. Cody Whitehair at left guard, above average player. Yes. Sam Mustafer at center at the time, probably below average to average player. Alex Bars at right guard at the time, probably below average to average player. And then Rashad Coward at right tackle, or Jermaine Fetty and Rashad Coward at times, but mostly Jermaine Fetty in those final five games. Let's look at it now. Even if Tevin Jenkins isn't the starting left tackle, you have Jason Peters. Is he 39 years old? Yes. Is he probably still capable if he's not injured? Yes. He had a great year in 2019, dealt with some injuries in 2020. He's older, but he's a guy who can get it done. He's been in the league for a very long time. He's a very talented player, one of the best in the league at his position in his prime. I still think he can be serviceable enough there at left tackle if it is him over Elijah Washington, which I think it will be, or Wilkinson, which I think it will be. That's an upgrade. Is that an upgrade over Charles Leno at left tackle? I'd say it is. I'd say it is at this given moment. If it's Jason Peters, I could say you at least can't say it's a downgrade. You at least can't say it's a downgrade. Let's give it that. I don't see, I don't know if you can't say that because Charles Leno, you know, was going to be out there. Like you knew you could count on him to be out there. Like that's availability is one of the best traits you can have in the NFL, especially yeah. when it comes to offensive line. True. Jason Peters has not been that. He has, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, he was an above average player, but that was two years ago. And so that, like, there's a reason Peters was available as long as he was. There's a, there's like Kevin, NFL teams aren't stupid. There's a reason you could sign Jason Peters on August, whatever, 16th, 15th, whatever it was. Like there's a reason for that. Like, do I do I think he can bring you something? Yes. But the only thing is, like, what are you gonna get out of five games, six games, three games? Like, we have no idea how available he's gonna be. And then all right, now you're looking at Wilkinson and Ifetti and a revolving door, and round and round we go, and you're still screwed. And you have the same situation as last year where there's no running room, the quarterback has no time to pass because the offensive line's getting eaten alive. Until those mm-hmm. last See, this, whatever, six games. Or exactly. But that's exactly where my point was going to go. So you can't say that's really a downgrade there. It may be a downgrade from availability standpoint, from a pure talent standpoint, a left tackle at this given moment, August 18th. That's not, that's not a downgrade. Okay. Then you look at, you, you go back to, um you go to left, you go back to left guard. It's Cody Whitehair still, which is, uh, you know, a, a pro bowl talented player. I would say, I think we can agree on that. It's Sam Mustafer, who's now a, a more developed player. He's he's done it now. He's more capable. That's that's an upgrade. I would say at center simply because he's getting a full training camp. He's had more time. He's had the experience. I'd say it's an upgrade at center. James Daniels is back at right guard. Praise the Lord. That's an upgrade. That he practiced today. That's an upgrade. And then right tackle. I mean, I I have every reason to believe Jermaine Fetty could be a better player this year. He wasn't that bad. That he wasn't that bad last year, Jake. Was he average? Yes, but. 
that's maybe all you need. And the reason why I bring this up is that offensive line last year helped the offense to four straight games of 30-plus points for the first time in what felt like 30 freaking years with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. Like, the if you really think about that, if you really think about that, and then we talked about the offensive line now. It has upgrades across the line. It has more experience across the line. And James Daniels went out today in the press conference and said, it takes me five minutes to learn about a new tackle standing next to me, which I thought was very interesting to hear. I'm not that worried. Is it? Am I depressed Tevin Jenkins is out? Yes. But looking at the line as a whole, I'm not as I'm not going to overreact as much to this as other people are. Are you? I mean, when you think about it like that, I know the defense so, that they played during that time period was not great, but still, yeah, it's the NFL. Well, also, the thing with me is like, A, like your best option was Jason Peters, who was 39 years old, was on the waiver wire, which you would lead to believe is for a reason. And you, the thing is also, too, like you invested so much, and I wouldn't say so much, but you invested legitimate assets into Tevin Jenkins. You traded up into the second round. You tra- you made him your top second round pick. You you know, mortgaged more of your future for Tevin Jenkins. And then you put all your eggs in this basket on as the future of the offensive line at the future of a premium position at the NFL, where it is very hard to get a, even a five-year starter or a seven-year starter like Charles Leno. Like that's very hard to do. And you gave up assets to get Jenkins and back injuries, especially when you're that big, that's scary because like, that's like, that's very scary. So it's also, that's part of the reason I am depressed about this injury news because like he's, younger than me probably what your age maybe even younger than you and he's already got back issues and he's infinitely larger than he, he he's larger than you and i put together like it's it's concerning especially at such a premium position where you were counting on having him for yeah. hopefully the next 10 years and now that's very up in the air year one into this um and like i said like the thing is like what the reason we were so excited when you drafted tevin jenkins was all right you have justin fields in round one you have Tevin Jenkins around two. These are two premium positions, young guys. You're going to have them under control forever, and they're going to have long, successful NFL careers forever. You know, the next 10 years, Tevin Jenkins is going to be protecting Justin Fields' blindside. All right, now that all of a sudden in August has turned into old man Peters is out there, literally. And I'm sure he's serviceable, fine. Like, like you said, it's not a downgrade at best, but at best it's a lateral move. So, yes, well, getting James Daniels back is better. Another year of experience for Sam Moosefer and Alex Bars is better. Mm-hmm. It's just – and having Juan Castillo there helps. But it's just like the the ripple effect, I guess, is what worries me more as far as just the future of this and how this affects the, your plan down the road as well. That's what I'm worried about. Well, yeah, I you know it is worrisome, and people should be nervous about that. But let's not – say he's Kevin White still like we still can't put him under that category okay I mean like the, the, again you mentioned it last again, week I, I said this different. last week yeah yes he he's never will be overall he's pick. Top, right right but still like it's you never want to see a rookie get injured you never want that to happen but you have to let it play out before you're going to declare the pick a bust I mean in, in injuries happen sure. in Ryan Pace maybe to blame sure I guess for knowing that and still drafting him but it was almost one of those situations where he fell that far. And for his high as his draft rank was, the injuries simply weren't enough to pass up. Like, I think that's what the situation, if you are going back into the mind of Ryan Pace on draft day, it was, this guy is so freaking talented. We are, uh, it's unbelievable. We're getting him at this point. It's a, it's a miracle. We're getting him at this point. We have to take it. 
And you have to you have to roll the dice. You have to roll the dice on the injuries, and that's what they did. They got unlucky. May, maybe it pays off. So you have to wait and see. I'm not going to declare him a bust. I'm not going to declare the pick a bust. It's it, it's a wait and see game. But the question I have, I mean, this is again more of a doctor question that I don't know about. I don't know why he didn't just get surgery early on. I mean, if you knew, right. and I know they said we tried to rehab, we did everything we could. But if this injury really required surgery most likely you would have known it required surgery the moment he was drafted. This was one of those things where like, it's like Fernando Tatis in baseball right now. Uh, you know what's going on with his shoulder. Mm-hmm. He had a shoulder suplexation. They're rehabbing him. He wants to finish out the year, but he is going to need surgery regardless. And they know that, but they're pushing it off so he can finish the season. I'm sure that's what the bears tried to do in this situation. They knew he's going to need surgery at some point. Maybe they wanted to wait till the end of this season, wanted to get him out there, but it's like, it feels, it feels like wasted time because he got zero reps in training camp. He didn't get out on the playing field once. And you're like, we could have gotten him back maybe before week eight if we started this process immediately after OTAs or immediately after he was drafted. So that's where I think it's kind of aggravating to Bears fans is because we had no knowledge. We had nothing for, you know, what is it now? Four, four, five, six, seven, even more than that, like eight weeks of where what <laughs> what's going time. on with his development of him just, I guess, getting massages every day when we could have had the surgery done. We could have been talking about his recovery and his timetable for return where it's unknown right now. So that's what I think is kind of... You know, that, that just kind of pops in my mind. Like maybe that should have happened earlier, but again, I'm not a physical therapist or doctor. I have no idea. So, well, the aggravating part, like you said too, is it wasn't that just that he was getting treatment. He was practicing on the sidelines. Like he was doing one-on-one drills with coaches. Granted, he wasn't in pads. He wasn't hitting other guys, but he was still Jersey on granted it was in shorts and notepads, but Jersey on, on the sidelines with his coaches, putting in the work, like not the work, but putting in work. Right. And then, like you said, like, what was the point? If he was never going to see the field, if he was never going to hit guys, never put the pads on, then why do we waste all this time? And part of the reason it's so aggravating, like you said, is that Matt Nagy has been telling us for weeks since you know camp opened, since rookie minicamp, right. oh, Tevin, yeah, it's getting better. Like, I, like five days ago, I think it was, he said, oh, we're really optimistic. It looks like he's going to be back soon. And now here we are. He's got surgery and Jason Peters is here. So it's just that's what's frustrating too is just and of course you know coach speak and they're always looking at a positive side but it, it, that's what's aggravating is oh you kept hearing positive positive all right he's getting closer an inching closer and he, uh, we're hopeful get, hopefully he's going to play sometime this preseason and now that's all out the window and like you said now you're you don't know if you're going to get him back at all whereas if you'd done this when it first popped up a month or two months ago then you might have been able to get him back some point in the season but i mean yeah i mean you, you deal with the hand you're dealt at this point you i guess you should be Thankful you were able to get an NFL starting, I guess not starting, but an NFL caliber lineman who has started in this link for a long time. Now you just got to kind of deal with it from there. And you just got to hope everyone stays healthy. I mean, James Daniels came back to practice today. Um, you know, I, I think Alex Bars might still be on the COVID list, but I, and you're slowly getting these guys back. You still have three, four weeks till season opener, which is good, but it's just – I don't know. It's just like, and I've been saying it all offseason. Offensive line is just such an important position, especially considering who we're going to see at some point this season. It's just very scary. So it's just like, it's a very scary proposition to be like, all right, yeah, this 39 year old washed offensive lineman is going to be protecting your franchise quarterback's blind side. But I mean, I digress. Well, that's a good transition because let's look at the offensive line in preseason game one. It was not that bad. Justin Fields sacked zero times, had 3.8 seconds to throw, which was the longest of all rookie quarterbacks in the preseason, in preseason, in the first week of preseason. The offensive line looked fine. 
Yes, people are going to come into here. Uh, if you're listening to this in the car, you're probably screaming in your car. He's playing against second stringers and third stringers. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's the take I keep I keep hearing. But all right, he was playing with second and third string wide receivers, and then tight ends and running backs. So that argument goes both ways. The argument goes both ways. So I don't like. I just I, I, the offensive line held up fine. It, it held up fine, and you saw the amount of designed rollouts they had for him. The amount of mm-hmm. times he was on the move, generating time on his own, even when the pocket was breaking down. Jake, I I don't think, and I gave you the comparison earlier to last year and what they were able to do from an offensive scoring standpoint with Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think the offensive line issues are enough for me to say it's it's justifiable to sit Justin Fields for it. Like I really, I really am not there, and I and you know I haven't been there since the inception of this conversation. But I I just don't I I really don't think it's enough. And Jake, the thing is too, like you saw the difference in 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 not just not just the the pure athletic talent and the pure talent overall, right? Like we it was evident, mm-hmm. and, and we're gonna break that down in a second. But take a look at the play calling for a second. When you really watched it, what we saw from Andy Dolan in those two series was what I've seen for the past five years, was what I've seen you know, with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. It's, let's line it up here on third down and short. We're going to have everybody go five yards and curl back in, and we're going to run a slant route in the slot to whoever it may be. Coverage is mm-hmm. good, incomplete, punt the ball away. Nothing was different. Nothing was creative. Two series later, comes out Justin Fields, and it is a whole different playbook. We're trying totally different things. The Miami Dolphins get left in the dust. There's not a player within 30 yards of Jesse James. They're designing things. Justin Fields is rolling out. He's running on his own. It's it, it's it, it was it was drastic. It was so evidently different. So evidently different. And if you're Matt Nagy, it's this this is like we have to do this now. And not only did he try those things, they worked. They worked, and he was extremely successful. I don't know what you make of those series from each of those players, but. It would the difference and the disparity was great enough that he has to be the starter week one. He just has to. I mean, I know like if you want for for this moment right now, take away the offensive line issues, assume that it's good enough. In that case, he has to be the starter week one. I know you know he does. I know you know he okay. does. If the offensive line is just good enough, which it will be, I have faith that it will be. So so we'll talk about. I mean, the points you made about the play calling and the disparity and what you saw, I will admit that it, I mean, it was clear that there was a shift as there was a shift. As soon as, you know, Justin Fields came off that sideline into the game, things Mm -hmm. changed like the play calling, how guys were lining up credit to Justin Fields for finding that broken play to Jesse James and getting the touchdown across his body. You don't, you haven't seen that in Chicago in a very long time, possibly ever. Um, also things to consider with Justin Fields throws, uh, his receivers didn't do him any favors a couple times. Uh, Javon yep. Wims dropped a pass that uh, down the sideline that I thought should have been caught. Uh, somebody else, I think it was Rodney Adams or somebody. Yes. Uh, it was you know, one of the, yeah, like dropped one that could have been caught. That one was a little more 50, 50 than the Javon Wims one. Um, but still could have been caught. I, I mean, there were times a couple throws, but those are the two most notable ones where those would have been big gains, maybe even touchdowns and his receivers didn't help him out. There were a couple, even across the middle that you could tell that the receivers are kind of like, Whoa, like the, even the zip on the ball. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely different. And we talked about that on the last episode that it's going to be interesting to see how it changes. And it definitely went from a more safe play calling to, all right, let's see what the kid can do. And that was evident as the game went on and as the third and fourth stringers for the Dolphins came in, 
you could tell like, all right, let's take some shots at these guys. Why not? You know, we, we, we can. And so, yeah, I mean, fields, I think showed you everything that you wanted to see. Um, I mean, a couple, obviously rookie mistakes, couple rookie kinks to be worked out, but that's to be expected. Sure. I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think you saw everything you wanted, the athleticism, the toughness, the ability to run the arm, mm -hmm. uh, especially the zip on the ball, even the touch on the ball, uh, the, the differentiation between being able to fire one in there and then float one where it needed to be. I mean, that was great. And his ability, I was even impressed with his ability to read plays and pick up broken plays from the offensive line and be like, all right, I got to get out of here. Um, the fumble wasn't great, but I mean, it's preseason. You can afford to take chances like that. Screw it. Why not? So, yeah, I mean, should he be? Oh, should he, so come like, on. So, like, come but on. I've said this, like, should he be the starter? Probably yes. yes. Like, that probably gives you the best chance of it. Yes. Do I think oh, he's going okay. to be, though? No, I still think they're going to be bullheaded in this commitment to Andy Dalton. And I still, like, I've been, like, I don't think I ever said, like, yeah, Andy yeah. Dalton is the better option. Justin yeah, Fields probably gives you your best chance to win. Well, my whole thing always. I don't want Aaron Donald to chew him up and spit him out. Yes. Do I think the bull, the bulls, the bears organization is just bullheaded enough that they're going to say, we made a commitment to Andy. We told Andy he was QB one. He's got the reins, blah, 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 blah. Like, yes, I absolutely believe that they are that stubborn because we've seen them be that stubborn before. We've seen them be that stubborn with Mitch Trubisky. We've seen them be that stubborn with Nick Foles. We've seen, we've just seen it before. It's just time is a flat circle. It rolls over and over. And, but once Andy Dalton is down 21 to three or 21 to six at halftime of week one, or they lose week one, you know that immediately they're going to, and especially that's going to be true oh if God. the same thing happens this week in Justin Fields, you just see the play calling be that different. If the play calling is that drastically different again, you know, like I think Andy Dalton will get one shot. Like I do, mm -hmm. I am firmer in the belief now that Andy Dalton will have one chance at this. And it might only be a half. It might be one half. And if it's close, they'll say, all right, Justin, you're in. If Andy Dalton's stinking uh, it up. And then if you lose, you're going to be like, all right, well, like it would be so bears. It would be so bears to just to start Andy Dalton and they're down 23 to six at half. Justin Fields comes out of the tunnel for the second half. He's starting and they lose like 26 to 23 and then they, yeah. and then they lose a very close game. And then, you know, Justin Fields is the week two starter. That would just be so bears. I'd be like, all right, well, you know, Justin gives us the best and they'll say, Justin gives us the best chance to win. And we'll be like, yeah, well we knew that, but you decided, you know what I mean? Like I, I think yeah. Justin gives you the best chance to win, but I just think they're so damn stubborn. Okay, but see the here. So you, you okay? It's down to stubbornness. But this is where I think they're not. Maybe they were with Mitch Trubisky and Mike Lennon. One, Matt Nagy was not the coach at that time. Two, you're working with two totally different situations as far as not only the quarterback who would be well, yeah. the veteran and Andy Dalton and then the rookie. But if 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 Matt Nagy was that eager to switch to Nick Foles in week three after <laughs> Mitch Trubisky had him well, that bad in the first that, two weeks. That's different. That's different. Though, no, it's not Matt different Nagy though. Was, he, Cause no, because it was cause Matt Nagy, he was out on Trubisky already before that game. Even like Matt Nagy was before the season started. Matt Nagy said, I can't stand this guy. This guy is not good. Like I can't do this. And at the time he thought he could win with Nick Foles at the time. You're clearly that proved to not be true, but that's a, that there's a difference in that situation too 
So he may not be out on Andy Dalton, but is he in on Justin Fields the way he thought he was in on Nick Foles? Yes, he's more in on Justin <laughs> Fields than he was in on Nick Foles. He's over the moon in on Justin Fields. He freaking, you saw it again with the play calling. It's his, it's his brand new toy. And right. if you, the, the scenario you just described to me, first half, bring Justin Fields in the second half is, is a freaking nightmare scenario. It's the worst possible scenario. Oh, yeah. Because what? We're going to go terrible. after that two weeks later and say, oh, yeah, he sat a half of football. Oh, the development he gained after sitting a half of football watching Andy Dalton. Wow, his career is going to be different forever because he sat one half. Like at that rate, if we're talking about scenarios like that, and if, if Matt Nagy's sitting in bed in a few hours, you know, running those scenarios through his mind, then he should just say, what the hell are we talking about? He just got to be the starter week one. It doesn't freaking matter. Like the yeah. difference too is Jake, he is clearly prepared for the moment. Like you saw it in preseason game one. He's prepared for the moment. And there's two reasons why I believe that's the case. Number one, you just saw it with the way he played and the numbers that he put up and the way he carved up that defense and, and all those factors. Number two, it's the way he bounced back. He did not start that game well at all. I was, I mean, I was a little bit worried after the, I wasn't really worried, yeah. but I was like, okay, I'm, I, I was waiting, right? We were waiting to see you were expecting you know, more. our prize position. You're expecting more, but what could have happened is what you saw in the first two series could have continued for the next four series. And we'd be having different conversations right now, mm -hmm. but he did not allow that to happen. He bounced back. He always bounces back and rises to the occasion. I mean, this happened every single time in college, aside from two games. And even in those two, even in the game where he threw three interceptions against Indiana, he still threw like five touchdowns. He kept bouncing back. He kept throwing touchdowns. If he makes a mistake, which he will as a rookie, it will happen. It is not going to happen twice. It will not continue. That's rare for a quarterback. And that's why I think he is, that, that's one of the main reasons he is equipped to starting week one. And before me saying that, I've said that before, has all been talked, but now we have the pure evidence in a game situation that he is resilient enough to bounce back. So that's why I do, that's partially one of the main reasons why I think he's ready. And let's just get away from Dalton versus Fields and just talk about kind of the things we saw from him. Because Jake mentioned it, it was the speed, it was the touch. It was it was everything we had hoped it was there and basically in that second half after those first few series. But number one, the number one thing I want to talk about is the speed and the running ability. And it wasn't the touchdown, but it was the 21 yard scramble. 20.4 miles per hour on the 20 yard scramble. Fastest by any Bears player on a touch in the last two seasons on a touch preseason and, <laughs> and regular season. Faster than Dave Montgomery. Faster than Cordell Patterson. Faster than Tariq Cohen. On a, uh, in a on a 21 yard scramble, and if you remember that clip, which a lot of people I'm sure right now are replaying it in their mind, did not look like he was moving that fast, but he ran the fastest of any Bears player in the last few seasons, the second fastest of any player in all of preseason week one. This guy just brings a whole new element. It's and and it, it it's it's like it's comparable to Lamar Jackson. Like I'm I'm sorry, but it really is. Like it's closer to Lamar Jack. Like from a running ability standpoint. Let's say it's closer to Lamar Jackson. Like if there's if there's if there's a spectrum, and on one of the spectrum is Lamar Jackson, the other one is like a Josh Allen. Maybe I guess that's pretty fair. He is a heck of a lot closer to a Lamar Jackson than he is a Josh Allen. Like he is he is in the ability? upper yeah he is in the upper echelon of like if it's it's a tier system. It's tier Lamar. It's tier one Lamar Jackson. Then it's tier two Kyler Murray and Justin Fields. That's the way I would put it right now. Like he is you're putting up there. You're putting Josh Allen in a bottom tier. Not in the bottom tier. He's like tier okay. four or something. I'm not saying he's the, the bottom the way, of the spectrum. No, 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 no. I, I know. I, I made that. I made that spectrum weird. But I'm just saying, like, he's at one end of the spectrum in this situation. Like, in reality, among all NFL quarterbacks, he's like probably seventh, eighth, right? But 
I'm saying like he's closer to Lamar Jackson than he is to Josh Allen. That's all I'm saying. Okay. You know, so and that's saying something because he's just he's incredibly shifty. He's incredibly fast. He can create plays. You saw it on the rushing touchdown, the 21 yard scramble. It is an element where I think about it's him at quarterback. It's Marquise Goodwin at wide receiver. It's Tariq Cohen at running back. It's maybe Damian Williams at some point. It's Darnell Mooney. And I'm if I'm an NFL team, I'm saying, what the hell do I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to guard this many fast players on one offense. What the heck? This is what San Francisco did. I mean, not really, but because they were missing the quarterback, but that's what they did. That's what the Kansas City Chiefs do. Built around speed players, and then you add a fast quarterback to that? I don't know how the hell teams are going to stop it. That just got me excited. I mean, comparing them, like, putting... It's not crazy to compare to Lamar Jackson. It is not crazy to compare to Lamar I mean, Jackson. Or in, the, in tier two. It's not crazy at all. Tell me how it's crazy. Tell me how it's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy. I, I just think it's I think it's lofty. It's not but lofty. through through one preseason game. It's like not I just lofty. think I th- I think it's lofty praise. Mm-hmm. Like I just think and, and I get thing, it. Like obviously, no. well, go ahead. I mean, I'm just like I know we're excited, and I'm very excited about Justin Fields as well. Like I just I'm paused to through a half total of mm. preseason work. I pause to be like, yeah, he's like an MVP of the league. <laughs> like, it's, well, no, 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 I didn't just, say that. I, I, I pause. To do that, I was ta- I'm, I'm talking about his pure running ability when I'm when I'm talking right. about no, but things. still pure running I mean, ability. But so, I mean, Lamar Jackson through two full seasons of football has over three thousand yards of rushing. Like he's yeah. a, an elite of the league. Like even Kyler Murray is a very gifted elite runner as an NFL quarterback. Like I'm just saying, and, and again, I get it. It's easy to get excited, and we're very excited about Justin Fields. But it's like I don't want to say, yeah, that's Kyler Murray. I don't even want to say, yeah, that's Russell Wilson. Running wise, like let's just well, that's Russell. Wilson. Relax. I mean, let, let's just let Justin Fields be Justin Fields, and we could be excited about his rushing ability. But like, let's just let's let the kid cook, and then we'll <laughs> go from there. Like a week by week scenario, and then we could let him build up his own brand before we're comparing him to Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or whoever you want. Well, yeah, I mean, well, the thing about like running ability versus throwing ability is like a lot of the times the verdict is like the jury's out on throwing ability until you kind of see it. Like you need more sure. like evidence to see if that really comes to fruition the way it was in college. But running ability is something that a quarterback has and that they should have based on what they did in college. Like that, that is something that's pretty consistent from their college to NFL game. And that's why I'm ge- I'm putting those expectations up there is not because I saw it only in a half of football. It's because I saw it two years at Ohio state. I know what he can do. He already translated into the first half of preseason. He's going to translate it into the regular season as well. Like it is going to happen. Um, so that's why I, I'm not being unrealistic. I'm telling you that his running ability is so special, and it's it, it's hap- It's we've seen it enough before that I know it is going to be a huge part of his game, and it's going to be in the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks immediately when he's a rookie. So that's not like that's not. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. I, I know what you mean. Like let's not get carried away. But it's it's really not a crazy thing to say. I mean, I don't know. What did you like? What did you like the most out of him on Saturday? What was the the, the thing that kind of stood out for you? Was it the running ability? Was it the throwing? What was it? I mean, it was just it was the throwing. I mean, obviously, I mean, we know he's an athlete. We know he can run. But it was the throwing just as far as because we've been hearing about it and, you know, articles you read and tweets you read that, yeah, I mean, the kid – You've been reading, yeah, he's got a lot of zip on the ball. Like He can fire it in there. But then also you saw the touch, too, and being able to lead a receiver, which 
God knows over the last two, three years, we haven't seen a quarterback in a Chicago Bears uniform lead a receiver very well or all that often. Mm -hmm. And Justin Fields is doing it in preseason week one. So it's nice that he exhibited that range, you know, the short range to the medium range to the long range. Like they really allowed him to kind of show at least a little bit every facet of his arm, you know, arm strength, you know, and that's good because. You know, yeah. we know what Mitch Trubisky's limitations were as a thrower. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know what Nick Foles' limitations are. So it's nice to see that from Justin Fields where this was hyped and this was hyped and this was hyped that he could, you know, do have these different ball speeds and this different ball placement. So it's nice to see him kind of deliver on those. Granted, again, this is all through about a half of preseason football. But, I mean, just even just having the ability to do that is refreshing to see because that's just that raw talent, that raw ability, like we've talked about in pre uh, previous weeks, that you can work with that. And then you can work – as long as the raw talent is there, then we'll go from there and we'll do those building blocks. So for me, it was absolutely the throwing um, because we knew he was an athlete. We knew he could run, and now the throwing is what's going to be most important anyway. Yes, that is that is extremely true. And I think one of the things that stood out to me too was just how calm and collected he was. And like you felt mm -hmm. that through the television. Like, even when he was struggling, it was still calm. It was cool. It was, we're going to get through this. And that's why you heard him say in the post-game press conference, the game felt slower for him, slower than he <laughs> had expected it to be. And yes, everyone's going to say, well, he's going against up the twos and the threes. And once you see Aaron Donald, it's not going to be so slow. Yeah, you're right. But still, like, it's still rare to hear a rookie faster say that. Faster than practice. It's fat. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it, it's going to get a lot faster, but to still hear him say that is a testament to just how, how calm he is in those moments and, and at the helm. I mean, you would like for, I, I, when I say I feel it like I truly mean that when I watched Mitch Trubisky, I felt anxious watching the television <laughs> like, like it because because he gave off that. Did he not give off that vibe yeah, when he no. was as the, yeah. Like I was just chilling watching Justin Fields. I was when, like, he's when, got, he's when, got Mitch, it. when Mitch Trubisky ran, it was for his life. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, oh yeah. my god! Like every time, you know, when when the quarterback throws the football and the camera pans, right? The camera pans the football. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, and and there's a, a brief second where the ball is in the air and you can't see the quarterback or the receiver, and you're like, this may be a 50 yard touchdown. It may be the worst throw of all time, and it may be an interception. Like I don't feel that way with the camera pans now when Justin Fields throws it. So. Thanks, Justin Fields, for making our viewing experience just a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, like like you said, lots of very good balls. Uh, there was the two drops. There was some really solid coverage on the defensive side for the Dolphins. I think he had only, I would say he had three missed throws out of 20. Because there's that one ball, there, the three yeah. missed throws were the one ball that was tipped at the line of scrimmage. That was that yes. was just, you know, a bad read. The throw where he was facing some pressure, he kind of threw it off his back foot. And mm -hmm. it ended up being tipped and almost intercepted. But actually, Justin James fell on that play. Before the ball was tipped, yeah. he kind of slipped on his route. And I don't know how much of an effect that had. And then that one he threw, that jump he threw at Javon Wims was kind of just, that was incompletion. Javon Wims might have been able to catch that, but it was also kind of just giving a receiver an opportunity to make a play with the sure. time winding down in the, in the end of the half. Um, and that's the other thing too, Jake, that two-minute drill was really good to get down the field and yeah. get that field goal that Kyra Sanders was, ended up making, what, 53 yards? That was a heck of a field like that, goal. Yeah. 53. That's impressive to get down the field that quickly, be calm. Uh, lots of, I mean, the throws weren't that difficult, but still to have the knowledge that right, we're going to get to Demi Williams, who's going to get out of bounds. I just liked his composure there and the two-minute drill. That was impressive. No, it was. And like you said, that goes back to the not feeling the franticness through the TV. Like just, and, and granted, that's also preseason being, you know, there's not a lot on the line. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was impressive. Uh, like you said, the one, uh, where his receiver fell down like in the replay it kind of looked like if 
your receiver was upright there. It might've been a catch, but yeah. yeah, I mean, he didn't make any horrific, terrible reads or like horribly overthrow or underthrow anyone, which is great. Um, You know, he he was leading his receivers pretty well. He was hitting his spots, which is good. Um, But also, I mean, some Justin Fields to me, wasn't even the standout uh, on offense of that preseason game. Whoa. Damian Williams was everything that we've talked about and that we've wanted as far as being a capable guy, the burst he showed being able to, there was one, run and I forget exactly when it was but he kind of he hit the line and he bounced off and then he just kept going sideways then to find another opening he only got like three Mm -hmm. yards but it was just like having a guy that's capable of that is just to bounce off oh crap there's nothing there okay let me find somewhere else to go as as opposed to a quarter up Patterson or Ryan all who's like screw it I'm going straight like it's nice to have that guy and Damian Williams exhibited a little bit of receiving uh, ability. He showed the ability to go inside, outside. Like it was good yeah. to know because I mean we've been hyping up Damian Williams on the show for weeks and weeks and weeks. But now to see it in game action, David Montgomery went out after one play after he hurt he got hurt his ankle or something. Yeah, it's fine, it. but uh, yeah, like he tweaked his ankle and they said, "All right, you're done. We can't afford to, to lose you." And Damian Williams went in and he handled a lot of work and he was everything that we've wanted, everything you want to see. I think, like we've said on this show before, I think that the Bears got a steal to have him as their running back, too. And I think you're going to see a heavy dose of him uh, definitely this week and probably going forward in the regular season as well. Very heavy dose. I mean, three Cohen Stone shorts. And I think the reason mm-hmm. I think we would be a lot more worried about that on this show if, T- if Damian Williams wasn't on the team. We would be talking a mm-hmm. lot more about the fact that three cones and shorts at practice every day if we didn't have a guy who's as capable as Damian Williams. I mean, the, you know, you talked about him bouncing off tackles and stuff too, but there are also times like a lot of, uh, on a lot of the outside zone plays where you look at Dave Montgomery in pretty much most running situations is he's a very patient runner. He kind of diagnoses what's in front of him and then decides what he's going to do after that, right? Sort of Le'Veon Bell-esque when you look at his patience at the line. Damian Williams was a little bit more attacking with his speed, but it also felt more calculated than just a Cordero Patterson attack type. You know what I mean? Right. Like you could see him attacking the hole that was there, but it wasn't just, he knew where to run. He knew where he was going. He knew the right place to run given what was going on on the offensive line and the holes that they were creating and he was attacking it and the speed looked great. So that's where like, I saw him attack it, but it was different from what we've seen in the past from like a Cordero Patterson and the guys who have been right. branded as just, you know, head down, nose down, we're going to run to the spot type runners. So that was extremely encouraging. And this is why I said it last week, Jake. I think he could be just as, if not more productive than Tariq Cohen. Like, and that's no shade to Tariq Cohen, yeah. but it's just the fact that he's going to get a lot of opportunities and he's proving it now that he belongs and that he deserves those opportunities. Those are only going to increase. So that is, that was, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was certainly one of the, the top things that popped out for me. To the defensive side of the ball, who stood out for you? Because I have one name, I have two names in mind, and I think we both. I mean, have I think one we're gonna have. I, I think we're gonna have the same one. I, I, Alec Ogletree plays yeah, like what a the man hell, dude. With his back is on fire. I mean, we. I mean, we heard as soon as he was signed, we heard that Alec Ogletree. He's been playing so great. He's been playing awesome. You know, he's got six interceptions in five days. Holy crap! Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, of course, you know, oh, in practice and against Nick Foles. Yeah, we'll hear that. And, you know, it's training camp. Of course, you're going to get guys hyped up. Um, But 
he was he was everywhere. Like legitimately, he was. Yeah, he got burned on the one Mike uh, Gasecki long yeah. rece- mm-hmm. reception that went for like fifty yards. That's going to happen. Whatever the man's been here two weeks. Also, Mike Gasecki's pretty damn good. So, but Al Gogletree, I mean, he's your top backup linebacker now. Like, I, I mean, he was listed as I think ILB three or something behind uh, Roquan and Christian the Jones chart. and yeah. Danny. Yeah, I mean, he was listed as like the fifth linebacker or something like. I mean, he's definitely the top backup behind Danny and Roquan now, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if he keeps this yeah, up. Like, he was everywhere making tackles and coverage. He was great. I and mean, El Gogletree was everything that was advertised in those uh, couple weeks of training camp, week of training camp. Yeah, which was which was kind of like sometimes you'll see the training camp heroes, Jake, right? Like the Tyler Gentry, mm-hmm. the Tanner Gentrys of the world. They'll Tyler show Gentry. up in training camp, Tyler Gentry. And then they'll come to the preseason games and it's like, uh, you know, right. it was just a fluke maybe. But no, mm-hmm. it was everything as advertised. His run defense was incredible, like you mentioned. Uh, I mean, he got after it. I think he had a few tackles for loss. And then it was like, everyone's going to go back to that 50-yard play. Well, it's the biggest mismatch in all football. Linebacker versus tight end one-on-one. Right. The tight end should win that 10, that 10 times. That happens. Yeah. Um that's it's you don't want that to happen. Maybe it was a schematic issue. I don't know. We'll have to talk to Sean Desai about that. Um, but you know, I, I don't. I'm not going to knock him in his evaluation too much because of that one play. Mm-hmm. So Alec Ogletree, ten out of ten stock going up on him. Another guy who I think stock is going up is Deion Bush. He didn't get that interception. Yeah. That was DeAndre Houston Carson who got the interception. But Deion Bush was ball hawking and making plays all over the field. And this is you know we might as well be the Deion Bush fan club because we've had Josh Woods <laughs> and Clifton Duck say it. I keep bringing it up that they said it. But this guy this guy is poised to be a good player when given the opportunities. And every time he goes in the game, whether it's preseason or regular season, he's out there and he's aggressive and he's making plays. And that's what I like about him is he's going after the ball. You saw him diving for plays, tipping balls away, getting after it. Uh, you know for tackles uh, when it's one on one in the secondary when in the flat. Like, I I'm, I really, really liked what Deion Bush brought. And I think you're going to, like I mentioned before, you're going to start to see more dime packages where Deion Bush is being brought in, I think. Uh, and maybe you'll even see a lot of different series where the rotation between Deshaun Gibson and Deion Bush is greater than what we've seen in the, in the past, meaning last year. You know, maybe Deion Bush will get more reps there. We haven't heard too much about Deshaun Gibson, mm-hmm. have we? I mean, it, it hasn't really no. been a lot, but... Um, I don't know if he's out with an injury. I'd have to check on that. That might be why he's we haven't heard so much. But um, I just I really liked what I saw out of Deion Bush, and that's a player we've been talking about for years. And I think this year might finally be the time where, if he's given the correct opportunities, we really we really could be talking about him a lot more. Yeah, uh, Deion Bush, like you said, is somebody that we've talked about a lot. Um, and, and if he's good, great, awesome. Like that's. Perfect. I mean, I think he's still on a rookie deal. If not, he's like super cheap still. So, yeah, I mean, the more guys that you can have, the better uh, that can play like that, obviously. But I actually want to talk about one of the rookies in the defensive class um, on one specific play. Kairos Tonga. Mm-hmm. I mean, on that goal line stand, like he was – and the broadcast yes. mentioned him. They're like, that was all because of Tonga getting in there and Ogletree was able to bust through the hole that Tonga had created. That's – Perfect. I mean, we heard, I mean, he was a seventh round pick, but we heard how big he is, how strong he is. And at defensive tackle, at nose tackle, even like that's a really important position. And to make a play like that on the goal line stand when it was still the Dolphins' first team offense for the most part, like I, I, that was, that was just a splash play to me that I think is going to stick yes. with me. And as long as he plays well, I mean, you might see him get some time going forward. So I would love to see him continue to get time, especially. I mean, anytime you can get a surprise rookie. Uh, especially from the seventh round to contribute. I mean, you're always going to take that 10 out of 10. So he was my other kind of standout guy, but let's talk about this upcoming week. 
and uh, the you know preseason week two, we're gonna we're probably gonna see the most of the starters this week, right? I, I doubt most of them are gonna most if any of them are gonna play in the last game in preseason week three. So mm-hmm. probably gonna see a lot of them. Hopefully you see Allen Robinson. Hopefully you see a lot of Roquan Smith. Those guys, some of the guys coming off injured list. Hopefully too. Um, obviously a healthy dose of Justin Fields is positive. But coming into the week, it is Wednesday. And, buddy, do we have some quotes that we need to get to because things oh, were man. said and, oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> That's a... Jarrell, let's let's bring it up. Andy Dalton said something today, and I, I think we're going to have a, an interesting conversation about this. So let's let's let this clip run here from Andy Dalton, today's press conference. Do I want the fans behind me and this team and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Do I want them behind Justin? Absolutely, I do. Um but I, that's not my focus. I can't focus on all that right now. Um, like I've said before, Justin's going to have his time, and Justin's going to have a great career. But right now, it's, it's my time, and so my focus is on being the best player I can be for this team and do everything I can to help this team win. I- it's his time, Jake. It's his time. Oh, boy. And look, I, I, and I don't. I, I can't knock Andy Dunn for what he said in, in the earlier parts of the quote. He's, he said what he should have said. You know, I, I would sure. love to have the city behind me. You know, I, everything he said before that was great. But it was, it's it's my time. Like, I don't know, man. That just didn't rub with me the right way. I, I, I It wasn't like a blow to Justin Fields. Like, it wasn't no. a blow to him. But it was like, it's just not your time. Like, it's really not. Like, it's just really not right now, I don't think. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm gonna spin this. I'm gonna spin this. Oh, okay. I think he said. I think he said everything. Everything in that quote, I think, is what you want to hear. What's he gonna mm-hmm. do? You want him to go out and be like, "Yeah, screw Justin. Well, like this is my." Oh, or do you want yeah, him to say no. like, "Oh darn, like yeah, this is Justin's team." Like everything. Like no winner of this quarterback battle has been, you know, quote unquote, declared yet. I mean, this is still an mm-hmm. open competition for all we know. No, we. I mean, we can sit here. And pound the table for right. Justin Fields to start week one as much as we want. There has not been a named starter. So Andy Dold, I give him credit for saying, yeah, this is my time. I'm the oh, guy. Wow. Even though, I mean, yeah, we can laugh and snicker like, yeah, dude, you're not the guy. You're here for a year on a one-year deal for a reason. Justin Fields is clearly the guy. We all know that Andy Dalton's not an idiot. He said later that, yeah, Justin Fields is going to have a long and, and uh, fruitful career, and I wish him the best. Like, he knows the situation. But I think, I mean, I think it's the right move by him. With like, I don't knock him yeah, at all no. for being like, yeah, like this is like I got this. Like, yeah, I don't mind having a little confidence in yourself. Like, especially if you think you deserve to be starting, or you still think you have a little left in the tank to be starting. I'd much rather prefer that than you know. Oh yeah, you know, Justin should be starting. Probably not me. Like that's fine. I'm totally and. And we have to go back to, you know, something that we said in the beginning, as soon as Andy Dalton was like, be nice to Andy Dalton. He's yeah. yeah there's nothing. Exactly it's not, not like he said anything guy. wrong. It's not like he said, screw yeah. Justin Fields, get him out of here. Like he was very complimentary of Justin. He was very complimentary of you guys, the fans, us, the fans. Like he didn't say anything wrong. Be nice to Andy. Like he said what I would expect <laughs> any starting NFL or starting caliber NFL quarterback to say mm-hmm. in that situation. I don't think he said anything outlandish. I think it was exactly what you, I, I think it's exactly what you would hear in 
and 49ers camp out of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it's exactly what you would hear out of uh, out of New England with Cam like Cam Newton literally today was like, "Yeah, Mac Jones is going to prep the hit the best he can. I'm going to prep the best I can. We haven't named a starter yet. Nobody's been named. So we're going to go out there and compete." Like that's that's I don't know like I get why it looks so funny because he said it's my time and everyone wants Justin Fields and everyone knows Justin Fields is the better quarterback, yeah. but he didn't say anything crazy. Like just if you sit and think about it for more than three seconds before you fire off the tweet, it makes sense. What like what he said makes sense. Like think about it for more than three seconds. Yes, and that's not you. I'm just saying in general. No, 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 no. People, no, it was me because I made a funny response to that. But it, it, (laughs) but it it was like no, you're right, you're right. Like I, I, I don't feel any animosity towards him for saying that like it's it's like i i do have respect for him that he you know was able to kind of i guess like you said have confidence it was just i think the timing it's just the timing is funny of it like if he had said this if he said it a week ago before the preseason game i'd be like okay like maybe it is your time but like right now when everything is trending up with justin fields and things Mm -hmm. i guess sort of seem to be trending down maybe not. well and it's also because all this we can it's because all, all this week in practice, every anything, the only things we heard about Andy Dalton from practice are, oh, Andy Dalton threw an interception today. Those were, yeah. the, like, Andy Dalton was yeah. not getting any help from exactly. any of the media. Like, it, the only tweets you saw were, oh, Andy Dalton threw another pick. Oh, Justin Fields is practicing with the ones today. Like, the media, ourselves included, we're not doing them any favors. So that's right. part of it, too. Like, you know, we're not seeing the positives <laughs> nearly as much as we are from Justin Fields. That is so You know, true. they're not getting nearly as much recognition. So, and, and I'm sure that's right. frustrating. I'm sure that's like, all right, yeah, just, and I'm sure he knows. He feels Justin Fields breathing down his neck. He knows oh, yes. he, he's here on a one-year contract. But at the end of the day, he's a competitor. He's a guy that's like, all right, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to work my ass off, and I'm going to try, try and start and win as many games for the Chicago Bears as possible. I respect that. That's mm-hmm. what I want on a quarterback. Sure. So, yes. I mean, I say it again it keeps i mean andy Dalton, talk your shit because i get you have gripes he has legitimate gripes like i get it yeah no maybe maybe he does i i, I don't know but I, I i will say too alan robinson went on the mic and said that he like has a great connection with andy Dalton, said some good things about him i thought that was cool to hear and stuff but as we talk about like going back to this kind of preview for preseason game two now, and we talk about like things trending up for Justin Fields and kind of staying the same for Andy Dolan and kind of the evaluations of both players. This, this, this is going to be extremely important. Count the number of series that each quarterback plays, because if it is anywhere close to even, we have a full lot. Cause there are still people, Jake included, even, even me sometimes a little bit skeptical that Matt Nagy is truly changing his mind. I want to believe that. I want that to be the case. Sometimes I am skeptical that he's really, you know, changing his mind about that quarterback competition. But if you see the same amount of series from both players, I think then you're going to start to say, okay, that, that is a fair and equal evaluation. Last week, it was two series for Andy Dalton. He's clearly the starter. It was six or seven. I think it was the final was what, seven, maybe eight series for Justin Something Field. Like that, maybe, yeah. so I think seven series. Like, obviously, you know, at that time, it was Andy Dalton's the starter. We want to give Justin Fields time. If you start to see it be 5-5, five, 4-4, five, four, four, between both players on Saturday, it's going to be like, okay, we need full, the same sample size from each player, and we need to compare that between both of them. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see Matt Nagy open up the playbook for Andy Dalton a little bit and see if this is, sure. you know, we're, we're going to try, try it out. Try some of those and, things, yeah. Yeah, try some of those things, and it's going to be very indicative if they fail because those things had worked for Justin Fields, and maybe they work again on Saturday, maybe they don't. But if they do, 
That's why I think that's going to be very telling. I might be wrong in my assumption about that, but I just think if they get the same amount of series, what it means is it is a more equal evaluation than it was the week past. Between yeah, who's going to be would, the starter. I would even say like if Andy gets six and Justin gets four. Because wow. game because like that'd be a lot. Game, Cause well, cause game situation also is going to dictate things too. Like we know this, like if Andy Dalton goes three and out and Justin mm-hmm. Fields, you know, Damian Williams gives up a fumble or something like that, that's going to dictate the number right, as right, well. Right, so right, it, right. it's sure. things that you can't really, some of it's going to be outside of their control, but generally I will agree with you, especially with Justin Fields practicing with the ones this week um, mm-hmm. for the most part, I think that, right. Definitely not a coincidence given how he played given the situation slash the state of the bears. Um, I think it's going to be something to watch for sure. And I mean, granted people were going to watch it anyway, but uh, and by watch it, I mean, watch the drive count and the series count, obviously the snap count, but I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I'm definitely going to be interested to see the game situation in which Justin Fields comes into as well. Like who's, yes. who is yes. out there for yep. me? Who's going to be out there when Justin Fields comes in? Like yep. is Darnell Mooney going to be out there? Allen Robinson, if he plays, is he going to be out there? Which offensive linemen are going to be out there? Like that's going to be telling to me as well because, all right, Andy Dalton might get five series and Justin Fields might only get three, but Justin Fields drives or the defense might give up some long drives to the opposing offense. And then Justin Fields just doesn't have time because then halftime comes or something like that. But who was out there? Okay. Were most of the starters Mm -hmm. out there? Was it half and half? How was it split up? So that's going to be something to keep track of too. So of course, performance is going to, you know, be a part of that as well. But yeah, I I mean, I I think we're going to learn a lot because like I said, I, the last game of the preseason, week three, I don't think you're going to see a lot, if any of these guys, as it is. Like, I know, I mean, for sure, you're not going to see like Jimmy Graham. You're not going to see yeah. Allen Robinson and those and those last game, those vets. So, I, I mean, we're going to learn a lot. And then we're going to learn a lot from the post-game press conference. We're going to learn a lot from the week of practice following that. Um, and we're going to see. I, I Like I said, Justin Fields clearly gives you the best chance to win. And now we're going to get a peek into, like you said, Mm -hmm. the playbook, what kind of plays they're calling. So it's going to be interesting. But also, I mean, let's not forget the defense. Like, There's a whole other half of this team. Like, is Al Ogletree still playing well? Like, is the defensive line still playing well? How does Thomas Graham and and Kendall Vilder, these guys look? That's like – of course, we're all in like Justin Fields mania and Justin and the offense right, hype. Right, right, right. And of course, like offense is generally more exciting to watch than defense anyway. But this is Bears Nation podcast. We try to give you as much insight as we can. The defense <laughs> does exist, and there are things to watch on the defense as well, specifically the secondary. Jalen Johnson played really well against the Dolphins, I thought. Yep. He continues to ascend as a top tier uh, corner in this league. But I mean, who who are we kidding? Like, it's going to be Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton. Watch, and that's all anybody's going to tweet about or talk about. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it right after. But it's, I mean, we're going to get a lot of insight. I think you're going to see the most with preseason game two, uh, with the season three weeks away. This is the most insight you're going to get into this team, especially on the offensive side coming up on uh, Sunday. Saturday. Saturday again. You are absolutely right. And, before I talk about the defense and one other thing too, before I wrap up, I think if he, if Justin Fields gets any reps with the ones, the QB competition is over. I mean, I think if he gets any repetitions with the ones, that is telling enough to say that he's going to be the starter, assuming he performs well. 
I, I, I truly think that. I mean, if they threw him out there, if okay. they're willing to throw so him like, out there with the okay, one. Okay, so like if it's all twos and Darnell Mooney's out there, it's over? No, 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 no. It has to be like the full starting lineup. <laughs> the basically. full squad, okay. I'm not saying just one player because, you know, they – no, it well, has I mean, to like, be at like – At what point do you draw that line, I guess, is my question. Like it, like is it – it has got to be 55-45 ones? Does it have to be 60-40? Like what's It, it what's doesn't have to be – it doesn't have to be a line. I think you'll just kind of know. Like it's a major. it's still – it, it, it's what Andy Dalton worked with. How about that? It's what Andy Dalton worked with. I think if you see if if you see him playing with the same players that Andy Dalton worked with, a, a majority of them, let's say, a majority of them being ones. Okay. I I, I think okay. like that at that point, oh, Manny so has lost his patience. It, it's all good. But one other thing, takeaways that was huge in preseason game one. They had two takeaways. Takeaway bucket is amazing. I absolutely love that. Phenomenal. <laughs> I hope let's they more use takeaways in game season. two. And oh, they will. Oh, they will, because uh, so. that's awesome. just. I, I, I think I really do think a team feeds off of that. As little as it oh. may seem, I, I really think that's something that kind of just keeps energy going on the sideline. But Jake, someone comes to town on Saturday, and it is going to be funny. Mitch Wait, no, Trubisky. That's an away game. No, it's not. Bills versus Bears this week. That's that's oh. what it is. Unless I'm high off my mind, um, it is Bills versus Bears on Saturday. And oh yeah, you're right. Why did I think that was away? Bitch, Bitchy comes to town. It is just like it, I. It's just going to be funny to see. I, I'm not going to be there, unfortunately. I'm going to be on my way to school, um. So I'll be watching it. But it's it, it's going to be funny to see the way the fans react. I don't know what's going oh, to happen. Oh, they're going to boo the hell out. They're going to boo him the I, hell. Especially so? after what he said. After what yeah, he said, that is like, true. Whatever, yeah, a couple we'll days boo ago. Him the hell, I think you're uh, right. Yeah. Oh, they're going right. to they're going to boo the crap out of him. I you think they get an interception off him. Yes. I don't think it would have been <laughs> as I don't think it would have been as bad if he had just said nothing. But True. now that he like kind of took a shot at the organization yeah, in the city, the like, oh, they're definitely mm-hmm. gonna I, I like I think he was gonna get booed regardless too. But now that he said what he said, I think maybe it might have been a smart move by him to just kind of lean into it and say, All right, I might as well give them something to boo me for. I think that might have <laughs> been a smart move by him if, if that's what happened. But yeah. Anyway, but anyway, we gotta wrap. So we'll be back next week. We'll talk about season two or season two, preseason game two, Justin Fields, all the competitions. We know you guys want to talk about it. We want to talk about it. So we'll be here, break down all the competitions, all the results, all the stats, and where we are heading for the regular season. So for myself, for Kevin, thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for watching, for listening. We appreciate all of you. We'll be back next week. Bear Station Podcast, as always, bear down. Bear down. Come on.